Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other co-host, Donnie Cage. Aha, how are we doing, Mr. Cage, on a Monday? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Just another Monday. There we go. Another Matic Monday. Hey, folks, if this is your first time tuning in, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. We're on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, we do drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday. It's Donnie and myself, and uh, sometimes we do have some guests on. We talk about pro wrestling, past, present, and future, as well as superstars. Uh, Mr. Cage has a podcast as well. Go ahead and tell him about Uncaged Voice, sir. Yes, if you'd like to check out the Uncaged Voice podcast, you can check it out on our official YouTube channel, and we do occasionally stream on Twitch as well. It is myself, Top Tier Brian, and Jigsaw Jester. We talk all things movies, gaming, and wrestling as well. And for those of you that like interesting interviews or you like to stay on top of current events and the news, you can always check out the Red Pill Current News podcast. Uh, That's the podcast that I create and host. We drop episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, We do have from time to time different guests of all realms. We have mediums, authors, uh, occupational therapists, and the list goes on. Some interesting interviews coming up. But uh, as we do, if you ever want to be a guest here on Against the Match Wrestling Podcast, you can always join us here. Or if you have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can always email at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. That's Kentucky. 99 at yahoo.com. What a weekend in wrestling. Uh, All kinds of different things happening all over the globe. We're going to start out today's episode like we always do uh, with one of my favorite segments, uh, my fantasy booking. Uh, This is something that uh, Mr. Cage came up with a while back. Basically what it is is he picks a superstar. I pick a superstar. And basically these are people who didn't quite cut it whether it be an impact WWE, WCW, what have you wrestling. And we kind of tell the story if they were booked a little bit different or some tweaks were made, they may have actually been a lot bigger uh, than what they actually were with that promotion. So as always, Mr. Cage, I will turn this segment over to you, sir. Thank you very much, Kentucky guys. So this is going to be a quick one this week, but it's uh, I was, I was going back and forth between a couple of wrestlers, but, I wanted to go back to 2012 and 2012 was an interesting year for WWE because if you remember, it was in the fall of that year 
that CM Punk was the WWE champion. And he was coming up on his one year anniversary as WWE champion, which was really, really unique for the time. You didn't have lengthy title reigns like that back in 2011, 2012. Uh, someone w- w- would win the world title and then they, they'd hold it for a few months and then they'd, and then they'd drop it to somebody else. Well, he was supposed to defend the title against John Cena at Hell in a Cell that, that year. John Cena went down with an injury and couldn't compete at that particular pay-per-view. He was only out for a few weeks, but he wasn't cleared to compete. So they ended up putting Ryback into, the, into that main event spot, and he faced CM Punk in a Hell in a Cell match. And if you remember, at that time, Ryback had a big undefeated streak going. I think he had won like 30 or 40-some matches People were calling him the new Goldberg at the time. And um, so anyway, the match happens at Hell in a Cell. The referee in the match, who later was revealed to be Brad Maddox. I don't know if people remember him, but he he was a flash in the frying pan. Um, he hits Ryback with a low, bow, a low blow, and CM Punk rolls up Ryback and pins him. And it just made Ryback look so stupid. Now, you know, we could say what we want about him as a person or as a wrestler nowadays, but he was so over with the crowd. And if there was a perfect time to take the belt off of CM Punk, it was on that particular night. And a lot of wrestlers and industry experts were even predicting that Ryback was going to win, but he didn't. They didn't pull the trigger. And despite multiple attempts in rematches at winning the title from CM Punk. Ryback never got it done, usually because of outside interference from somebody. And he just, he never was able to regain that momentum. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that this guy should have suddenly become the face of the company. But the fact of the matter is, he was someone different in the main event. It wasn't just John Cena or CM Punk or a few other wrestlers that were always in that spot. He was somebody different. He hadn't been seen in a while because he had been injured from back when he was a member of the Nexus. And the fact of the matter is he was over with a crowd. So why not put the belt on him for a few months? Have CM Punk go off of television for a little bit, and then maybe Punk comes back around the Royal Rumble or something, wins the title off a of Ryback, and then you could still segue into that feud between CM Punk and The Rock. Um, it was just a weird booking decision, and... You know, they put him in a couple of main event matches uh, later down the line, which never really went anywhere. And I just feel like he's one of those wrestlers, like if he had been booked a little bit stronger, then maybe his career would have gone differently. But obviously, in retrospect, you can look back and go, did this guy really deserve a push? At the time, it, it seemed like it was the right thing to do. And I do think they dropped the ball a bit, all because, well, we've got to make CM Punk look strong. And we all kind of know how we feel about CM Punk these days. So, uh, yeah, that's my fantasy uh, pick for this week. Now, is your fantasy booking Rhino or Ryback? Ryback. Ryback, okay. Because I was like, oh, man, because I almost chose Rhino (laughs) this week. Okay, Ryback. Okay, yes, this is the one fantasy booking that uh, I would probably have to disagree with you on. The only reason why is I just, uh, I never bought into the feed me more, the push that he was given. Yes, I think that CM Punk could have dropped uh, that belt that year. Absolutely. Uh, I think he was supposed to drop it to John Cena before Cena got injured. But uh, 
I just don't know if Ryback would have been the right guy. They they tried him like so many different ways. He just couldn't really get over. Uh, they even teamed him with uh, Paul Heyman and Mr. Perfect's uh, son. And uh, I just never bought into it. Uh, I, I just, it, and that's just me personally. I just never did care much for him. Uh, he, uh, I could never see him as a world champion. Just, just in my eyes. So, but uh, yeah, I can definitely see where you're going with it. Absolutely. All right. So uh, my fantasy booking this week, uh, mine's kind of short too. Kind of short and simple and to the point. Like you all, like I just mentioned, Rhino uh, was uh, one of the ones that I had in mind for this week. I was going back and forth. And uh, so my fantasy booking this week, however, I went to, I chose Peter uh, Sanchara, uh, better known by his ring name as Taz, more known. Uh, he's still in the wrestling business. He's a commentator on AEW, uh, but he's his wrestling, he's more known for the extreme championship wrestling line, uh, ECW with Paul Heyman, uh, where he was the two-time world heavyweight champion two-time world television champion, three-time tag champion, and two-time uh, inaugural FTD, FTW <laughs> heavyweight champion, and the fourth ECW triple crown champion. Now, this is all before he went to his disastrous career in the WWE. Now, before we get into his WWE career, you may say, well, hold on a second, Kentucky guy. He had neck injuries. He had injuries that forced him to retire early. This is true. He did have to retire before, while he was still kind of in his prime uh, due to neck injuries. However, before, even before then, he was scheduled in horrible matches. And on his entrance, in his, when he first, in the year two, 2000, yeah, the year 2000, when he debuted at the Royal Rumble, uh, he actually made a comment on a podcast. And what he said actually came to fruition. And basically what he said was the pop that he got walking down the aisle from his hometown crowd. He knew that his WWE career was over. Taz had never wrestled in the WWE prior to that night and had made a name for himself in ECW. There was a world champion and a one of the top guys in the company because he defeated Kurt Angle, who was on an undefeated streak, if you guys remember, in 2000 at the Royal Rumble. That might have been the plan for him in the WWE, but not after that night. Vince McMahon, once again, in his weird quirkiness, he doesn't like when a wrestler who had been created elsewhere was getting the attention and the reaction that Taz got without any input from himself or the WWE. You see, what's weird about this is it's completely changed now. And what I mean by that is if you look now, they actually, they kind of one up each other. They kind of, yes, if uh, I stole this guy from AEW, here he comes, he gets a reaction before we do any vignettes or, build him up anyway and it's kind of cool now back then though Vince McMahon being the old school uh, guy that he was he didn't like this and Taz knew he was doomed for the beginning and he was he wrestled a few years before being pushed into the uh, the commentary position uh, before ever going there 
to the WWE or WWF. Uh, he was the CWA light heavyweight champion, FT, FTW heavyweight champion two times. The uh, International World Class Championship Wrestling light heavyweight champion. And then while he was in the WWF, he was the hardcore champion three times. And he actually, with Spike Dudley, won the tag team titles at once. But that's it. That's as far, you know, you have a belt that's obsolete now. We don't even have any more in the WWE. And then he was a tag team champion for less than a month uh, with Spike Dudley. We are talking about a guy who fought wars in the ring for ECW. Wars. I remember he broke Sabu's neck. And I remember when he jumped ship and was coming uh, to, because I was watching ECW back then, and he was coming to WWE, how excited I was uh, when he finally made his debut. When we finally figured out what that orange was that they kept uh, promoting him. And they did all this hype to do nothing with this superstar. And I think it was a, a horrible waste of opportunity. Yes, yes, he, he did. He is a good ring. You know, he's a good uh, color commentary. Man, he was, he had a lot more to give and should have been, he's not even in the Hall of Fame, WWE. It just doesn't make any sense. This guy was great. He went to TNA, uh, where he was a commentator. Uh, one of the, uh, and no pun intended, one of the worst gimmicks I ever seen was a commentator. Uh, plus, he was a part of the Aces and Eights, which was a joke uh, because he couldn't wrestle. He was already re officially retired by then, but he was still there. And that shows you how much he loved the game. And he finally quit uh, himself after being seen his career wasn't going anywhere with the WWE. So he decided to retire uh, completely uh, for his sake and his son, who is now wrestling under the name Hook, who has a very bright future. If they would just get him on television more, uh, I look for AEW maybe to lose him soon. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. But anyways, that's my pick for this week. Your thoughts? I think it's a great booking. Um there's so many what ifs with Taz in the WWE. Um, obviously, he went on to become a great commentator, but very underutilized talent. He was always a great wrestler, like you said. Would just have would have wars in the ring during his ECW days, and the best they could do for him were a couple of hardcore championship title reigns and one mediocre tag team title reign. Like not even the Intercontinental title. I mean, that would have been the perfect belt for Taz to defend the Intercontinental title, the Intercontinental or European title at the time. But no, they just wanted to, because he got over on his own, that wasn't allowed in the WWF at the time. And yeah, it's, it's really a shame. It's really a shame that they didn't do more with Taz when he was an active wrestler. Yeah, and I hope that doesn't come back to uh, bite them uh, with his son. <laughs> so, Because I think his son's got a really bright future. All right, so we do have a new segment for, for this episode. <laughs> yeah, and this is the 10 worst gimmicks and the 10 best gimmicks, I guess you could uh, say. And this is our opinion only. I am going to uh, go ahead and start this segment off. And this will be my top 10 worst gimmicks, in my opinion. Here we go. And, the, and these are in no particular order. I didn't have time to go through and... Uh, you know, arrange them about which one I thought was the worst and what have you. But the first one was the Yeti. I don't know how many people remember that, but that was horrible. It was, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I'll never understand it. 
uh, it come from a WCW and the Yeti just did not, it, it, it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It was played by, uh, Ron Reese. Yeah. And, uh, he, <laughs> I mean, he was just, he was a heck, a heck of a, re- I mean, a, he was a tall wrestler. Let me put it that way. But Halloween Havoc 95, the Yeti, uh, made the top of the list. Kerwin White, that might be one that a lot of you don't recognize either. Uh, he's older. Now, some of these, you know, these, you know, when, there's been a lot of gimmicks uh, over the years. When you look at WCW and WWE, they both, uh, <laughs> they, they both put on quite a, quite a few horrible ones. But anyway, Kerwin White, was actually Chavo Guerrero. And Chavo Guerrero, he played as he was a, like he was a, I don't know how to say it, like he was a white person. And it just really, it would never go over right now. Like like these days, like with the, the Me Too movement and, and all this stuff, it would, it would, it would not be allowed uh, right now. But, oh my goodness. Uh, I just, you know, I thought it was horrible. Uh, and then we have the goon. Now, this is some of you may not remember this. This was in WWE. It was Bill uh, Irwin, and basically the goon. Uh, he's a hockey player. Just you know, yeah, he's a hockey player. That was it. That was <laughs> that was uh, that was his gimmick. And then we had something, and this was in WCW. I'm not, I don't quite understand this one uh, because uh, I was a big fan of the group Kiss back in the day, but they actually had the Kiss Demon. So I don't know if this was a deal that WCW made with the actual band, or I don't even remember where this guy came from, but I remember he was a horrible wrestler, and it just didn't work. It didn't fit. And then we have Kane before he was Kane. And that's Dr. Isaac Yankum. <laughs> and this was Kane playing an evil dentist. And I really don't think, yeah, I really don't think that I have to say much more than that. <laughs> so, and probably one of the greatest tag teams of all time, demolition. They they were fantastic. They had the titles. Uh, they were great. However, when the Road Warriors, who were renamed uh, Legion of Doom, came back, they were pretty much pushed off to the side, and they never captured the titles again as a tag team. And Axe actually left the company, and the group slowly came to an end. However, Smash, oh my goodness, took off probably the worst gimmick. I ever seen after being such a high ranking tag team, part of a tag team duo smash becomes the repo man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the repo man, it, it, it just didn't work. Uh, the next one on my list was seven. This was when WCW decided to make gold dust, Dustin Rhodes, uh, the undertaker, in WCW, <laughs> it lasted about a, about a week. I don't know. It didn't last long at all. It was so stupid. And that's the exact gimmick they were going after. Didn't make any sense. 
Uh, and let's see, Dolph Ziggler as a cheerleader, the Spirit Squad. What a joke. Supposed to be Shane uh, McMahon's buddies. It just... And then my last one, and this one is probably the worst, I think, uh, ever. Yeah, I, I'll give this one the worst. Uh, was Mr. America. Hulk Hogan wearing a mask without the red and yellow. And you can tell it's Hulk Hogan. Like, every which way this guy moves. And it was no secret that you were supposed to be able to tell it's Hulk Hogan, but this gimmick was just so stupid. And it's one of those things back when this was when little kids were actually still believing wrestling was real. And this kind of ruined it for a lot of them because it was so obvious how stupid it was. So, uh, so, uh, Mr. Cage, before we go on to you, uh, any any comments on my top ten worst, and then we'll uh, let you give your. How can you knock the Kiss Demon? I mean, he had a uh, a special main event match in uh, WCW at Super Bowl in two thousand against the Wall. It was a special main event that lasted about four minutes, and was one of the most awkward things I've ever had to watch. <laughs> exactly. That was a that was a yeah it was a terrible gimmick. Um, I think even in the hands of a of a competent wrestler, it still wouldn't work. No, it wouldn't. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and hear your uh, top ten worst. Well, this one was tough because, as you know, Kentucky guy, there are a lot of terrible gimmicks in wrestling history. But I'm going to count them down ten ten to one. All right, uh, number ten was um, Akeem the African Dream. If you remember, in 1988. The one-man gang changed his gimmick. He suddenly, well, he had previously been managed by Slick, but um, he still was being managed by Slick, and apparently he was getting in touch with his true, with his true roots, because it turned out that uh, the one-man gang, who was a white guy from, I think, the Midwest, was actually an, an African heritage. Uh, anyway, whatever it was, uh, the gimmick was horrible. <laughs> you don't, it offended a lot of people. Uh, so, no, just a terrible gimmick and hey, a, a poor use of the one-man gang. <laughs> hey, Donnie, you yeah. you have no idea how close I was putting that on my list. <laughs> I actually had his name wrote down and then scratched it out uh, because I thought it was too obvious. That's great. I'm glad you had him on there. Oh, boy, it was bad. Um then number nine. Speaking of another big guy, we we all remember that we all remember this one. Our tag team partner is going to shock the world because he is the shock master. And this was the guy who had previously played tugboat and typhoon in the WWF, Fred Ottman, and he was supposed to crash through this wall on the set of a flare for the gold. And boy, he crashed through the wall. He crashed and burned. He fell right on his face when he crashed through the wall. His helmet that he was wearing fell right off, so his face was exposed to the crowd. He ran over, grabbed the helmet real quick, put it back on, and then he started to pretend like he was talking to uh, to Sid Vicious when, in fact, he was actually his voice was overdubbed by Ole Anderson. And he was like, come on, come and get me, Sid. I, I'm going to take you down, Sid, because I'm the shock master. 
just a horrible gimmick. And uh, I feel terrible for Fred Ottman that he actually had to go through with this. And this is the same guy that played Tugboat, mind you. Um, but it was a pretty terrible gimmick. And it did not work in any way, shape, or form. Um, number eight is actually a uh, former WWF champion and former WWF tag team champion who they decided to reinvent with a new gimmick because uh, it was the middle of the Gulf War at the time. And they decided, well, hey, we need, a, we need another member for this stable. So they turned the Iron Sheik into Colonel Mustafa. And I guess for whatever reason, the Iron Sheik, who was always a proud uh, Iranian um, wrestler, decided to uh, just forsake his Iranian heritage and, and became, it became Iraqi all of a sudden. Uh, it was a terrible gimmick. The, uh, I mean, the Sergeant Slaughter Iraqi sympathizer gimmick worked at the time. But uh, yeah, Iron Sheik as Colonel Mustafa did not work at all. It was very much an insult to, uh, to a well-known wrestler. Um, number seven is, uh, I was going to put the Spirit Squad, but you, you had already beat me to it. Uh, number seven is going to be the New Rockers. So around 1995-96, WWF thought it would be a good idea to bring Marty Jannetty back and reform the Rockers, except he didn't reform the Rockers with Shawn Michaels. He reformed it with Leaf Cassidy, who was actually Al Snow, a uh, then unknown Al Snow. And this time the Rockers, they weren't baby faces, they were heels, and they were always booed out of the building because the gimmick was so terrible. And I, I, I'm just embarrassed that it ever existed, to be perfectly honest. And next one, I think this will take me to number six, was uh, Big Daddy V. I couldn't decide which gimmick of uh, Viscera's to pick, so I decided to pick his last one because it was a, because it was a horrible look that he had. had he, he came out into the ring with these black leather pants, and he, had, and he had these suspenders on, but he didn't have a shirt on or anything underneath. So all his... Uh, so his flabby upper torso was completely visible to the audience, which was not an image I needed in my head. Um, and I also think during this time period, his ring work just wasn't as good as it had been previously. I mean, he was never a, an amazing worker, but he had gotten a little bit better over time. But uh, yeah, Oof. terrible gimmick, Big Daddy V. Number five uh, is a man who fortunately went on to much greater success later in his career. But um, at this point, I, I just don't even know what WWE was thinking, I guess because it was the attitude era, they just said, we'll throw whatever, whatever we can at the wall and see what sticks. And I'm talking about Mark Henry when he was known as sexual chocolate. Some, some of the strangest and most disturbing segments I have ever seen in my life, him and Mae Young, which later gave, gave uh, way to Mae Young gives birth to a hand, um, which completely defies all logic. And that's really saying something. But uh, the less said, said about the gimmick, the better. Uh, number four is going to be um, Fake Diesel and Fake Razor Ramon from 1996-97 WWE. Why in your right mind would you tease that Razor Ramon and Diesel are coming back to the WWE and you have two completely different performers playing them who look nothing like the original versions? And I mean, I, I mean, I remember when Razor Ramon would talk during this time period. It just sounded like, uh, like, like it was a stand-up routine, and we were supposed to take him seriously, for some reason. 
I just, that's, yeah, I just can't, I just can't. <laughs> um, number three is a guy who was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time by far. He's in probably my top five or my top three. Now, my opinion, cut the greatest promos in the history of the business. But at one point in time, he was just a blue chipper. And I'm talking about Rocky Maivia, a.k.a. The Rock. This was one of those gimmicks that would have gotten over in the 70s and 80s. But by ni- 1996, it, was, it, it wasn't impressing anybody. People hated this gimmick, and who could blame them? It was just horrible in every sense of the word. Number two, um, number two is uh, is going to be a person who uh, I, I I kind of have to give them um, kind of have to give them multiple uh, gimmicks here be, and group them all together because every gimmick after he was known as Brutus Beefcake was some of the worst things I ever saw in my life. He was known as the Butcher, the Booty Man. The Zodiac, the man with no name, the disciple. I'm talking about Ed Leslie, a.k.a. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Every gimmick he had in his career after that gimmick was awful and should just be erased from the wrestling record books. And then uh, number and then number one, and this one is actually truly tragic because the wrestler behind this gimmick, probably one of the best wrestlers to ever lace up his boots, and his tragic accident that led to his death is one of the worst worst tragedies in wrestling history but that's actually part of the reason why why it belongs on this list because it was a terrible gimmick and i'm talking about the blue blazer aka owen hart it was an awful 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 gimmick that he never should have been given and one would have to assume that if they didn't try to concoct some weird elaborate entrance for him to fly into the ring that owen hart never would have even uh would have, never would have even suffered that tragic death. So, uh, yeah, the Blue Blazer is definitely my number one on uh, least favorite gimmicks in wrestling history. I think that's a good list, man. Uh, a lot of those I are, I had actually forgot about. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Hakeem, uh, I almost uh, had him. And then Viscera, I almost had him on my list, too. So, uh, very, very close. So, the top... Uh- Oh, and I will say, so, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Kentucky guy. I almost included Joker Sting on the uh, on the list as an honorary mention, but I thought about it and I said, well, I- I'm going to leave that one off because there's other ones I could name, but Joker Sting was another horrible one in TNA. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, let's see. So uh, the 10 best gimmicks, uh, and basically, you know, this is just our opinion, and these could have uh, either gone over or not got over with the crowd. I'll go ahead and go through my list real quick. Uh, let's see. Number one on my list, uh, The Godfather. I thought that was hilarious. I don't know if there is another wrestler who could have took such a silly gimmick like that and, uh, you know, created the whole train or what have you. Don't get me wrong. The Godfather wasn't a great wrestler, but he was uh, that gimmick. He made it work, and I thought that was great. Uh, number two. Oh, by the way, my honorary mention on the uh, worst gimmicks ever, and this guy was a horrible wrestler too, uh, was the uh, Honky Tonk Man. I thought that was horrible all the way around. That was almost as bad as the Red Rooster. I mean, <laughs> do you have something to say about the Honky Tonk Man? No, no. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> all right. Number two on, <laughs> on my opinion on the best gimmicks, uh, Mr. Perfect. Uh, I loved it. 
to this day, I think that's probably one of the best uh, gimmicks that actually went over. Uh, I don't know if they could have ever found another person to, uh, you know, rest in peace as Kurt Hennings played that beautifully. Uh, some of the things that I've seen in his promos, uh, I still think about today how awesome it was. And I know it was just, uh, you know, using the camera the right way and what have you, but the perfect spiral, the perfect shot behind the back. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. I thought it was great. Goat Dust. I actually thought Goat Dust was a pretty amazing gimmick. Uh, I don't think that just anybody could have made that work. Dustin Rhodes, that was the highlight of his career. I know he's wrestled a lot since then, and he's still wrestling for AEW, but I don't think he'll ever hit the heights, or he's ever hit the heights, uh, since being Goat Dust. I know they've tried to bring it back before, and it just didn't work, but uh, during that time frame uh, with... Uh, Ahmed Johnson and oh man, so many feuds. Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, with his real life uh, wife at that time, uh, being his manager, uh, it was just it worked. It was fantastic. Someone you mentioned in your previous uh, in your previous ten, uh, the Iron Sheik as the original Iron, Iron Sheik, just really, even with the stupid boots, uh, he played that character perfectly, and uh, it worked. There was so much tension with the Middle East. Uh, back then in the United States. And uh, and then when you had uh, Nikolai Volkov, uh, the supposed Russian, uh, come aboard and they formed this tag team. You had the All-American boy, uh, Hulk Hogan, come down and actually win the title from uh, the Iranian Sheik or the Iron Sheik. Uh, it just, you know, sometimes the current events and life and times that we live in help the gimmick or destroy it. And I feel that uh, it definitely helped this gimmick. Uh, number six, uh, Mankind. Mankind was creepy, man, when he first came out. And then you had the uh, the jolly laughter and the uh, de- uh, demonic uh, chase after the Undertaker when he uh, when he first uh, hitched his ride to Paul Bearer. Uh, he was in the boiler room, and it just it was great. Didn't know where it was going at first. Thought it might have been kind of stupid. But no, not at all. Tag team that I spoke about, Demolition. Most of the time, I wasn't into the guys who painted their faces back then. Then, then care much. Still not a huge fan of it. And these guys literally painted their faces silver with some color, and kind of looked a little bit silly. They kind of looked like they were uh, these uh, dominatrix or whatever you call them kind of guys. The way they dressed, but they were a good tag team. And they made Demolition a household name. They picked up the tag team division slack, uh, like I mentioned earlier, until the Legion of Doom uh, came to town. And, and they were really, really, uh, uh, they were, well, they were the longest reigning tag teams until the New Day, or tag team champions, until the New Day actually took that away from them uh, a while back. And now the Usos are the longest reigning tag team titles, tag team champions. Then we have the Million Dollar Man. Now, his gimmick was very, very simple, but it was so classic, so easy. And then he created the million-dollar belt, and Boya went over, and, you know, he still talked about till this day. And then number, my favorite gimmick that worked out of all these years has to be The Undertaker. Here's something on paper. When you read it, when I read it before he came out, 
I was like, this is stupid. This isn't going to work. Undertaker. I mean, this is, they've tried this. It's been done. WCW tried it. It's been done. Not so much as the Undertaker, but somebody like who has these uh, powers, uh, supernatural powers and what have you. It never works. But Mean Mark, he made it work. He made it look good. And, well, he entered the Hall of Fame last year, rightly deserving. And uh, he's probably the uh, best gimmick, to my knowledge, that I can think of. And then the last one on the list, and he's he's only last because I couldn't think of anything else. Uh, and really, he's only on here because of The Rock, and that's The Hurricane. Uh, I'll never forget the segments of The Hurricane when, that he had with The Rock when The Rock was calling him a Hamburglar and things of that. <laughs> and things like that uh so he's i mainly put him on here for uh uh comedic purposes but uh yeah so there's my top 10 fairly good picks uh and i and i do remember those old segments with the the rock and the hurricane let the rock explain something to you you're nothing you you can't compare to the rock hold on a second the rock's gotta take a phone call it's nothing he says he knows you it's great and then he called him the hamburglar <laughs> The Hamburglar. And then when he had um, Rosie as a sidekick, he would say, it's the Hamburglar and Grimace. It was great. <laughs> All right. Um, my top 10. Well, I don't know if this is going to be my true top 10 because there's a couple that were on your list that absolutely would be on mine as well. But I want to pick 10, 10 guys that are definitely different from the ones you named. Number 10, you can't mention The Undertaker without also mentioning Kane. Now, over the years, obviously, his gimmick has changed at different points. I'm just talking about the original character from 1997 until about 2002 or three. He had this presence about him, you know, you know, between his costume, the mask, the fire, his, you know, the moves he would perform in the ring. I mean, he just had this aura about him that you that you just couldn't deny him. It was right up there with the Undertaker for a time period. Um, number nine, ravishing Rick Rude, an amazing character, um, who could draw heat from the crowd every time he opened his mouth, especially when he would say that I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out of shape, inner city sweat hogs. And it would just get under the crowd's skin so perfectly. I mean, he was just so great at that. And he was a great wrestler too, so that was that was amazing. Um, number eight, oh yeah, the Macho Man Randy Savage, one of the best characters in the history of the business, brother. Macho Man just oozed charisma. I mean, he was over the top. He was he was flamboyant. He was in your face. He could be serious and he could be comedic. He, he was just the whole package. He was he was amazing, the Macho Man, and yeah, always entertained me from the time when I was a kid. Um, number seven is the Road Warriors, aka the Legion of Doom. I dressed up as Road Warrior Hawk as a kid. I had the shoulder pads. They had the coolest look and the coolest entrance out of any tag team, in my opinion. And uh, also, in my opinion, still have the greatest tag team finisher in the history of the business, which was the Doomsday Device. Number six is going to be Mean Woo Gene, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. You want to talk about a wrestler who who not only played this character 
and played this gimmick to perfection. He lived the gimmick. This Ric Flair was the nature boy in every sense of the word and just did so much for the wrestling business. So much. And he's, you know, he was the first, you know, American wrestler to complete, compete in North Korea against Antonio Inoki in a main event. I mean, it was just Ric Flair was the man. There's no question about it. Has an incredible legacy, um, despite the fact that over the last few years, he's either intentionally or unintentionally tried to tarnish it. But uh, still, still an incredible uh, wrestler and uh, gimmick. Number five for me is Jake the Snake Roberts. What other wrestler can you name that actually brought a live animal to the ring that just, just at the sight of it, it would clear the entire ring? I mean, he would bring out these gigantic pythons that just, that terrified, I mean, they, they terrified people like Andre the Giant and Earthquake. And we know how big these uh, wrestlers were, but they were scared of the snake. All you had to do was threaten to take the snake out of the bag and they would scatter. Number four is Big Van Vader. I've talked to, about him before on fantasy booking, how he did so much around the world in Japan, in Europe, in Mexico, in WCW and WWE to a lesser extent. Huge star. He's a big man that could do big things and just leave people in complete awe. He was just, he was just awesome. Um, number three is, uh, is Sting. And I'm, and I honestly, I'm going to have to group his original gimmick along with his crow gimmick together. Um, because I don't think you can have one without the other. When Sting transitioned into, into this new character in 1996, it was an evolution of the character. He, he had to change. He had to get with the times to remain relevant, but people could still look back at his old, as old days as surfer Sting, as we called him. And still look back on those days fondly because he still put on some great matches and cut some good promos and really left an amazing impression on people. Number two is, uh, is, uh, what you gonna do, Kentucky guy, when Hulk Hogan runs wild on you? This was the, uh, first wrestler that I idolized as a kid. And, you know, I gotta tell you, he just, um, I mean, what can I say? I mean, I mean, Hulk Hogan just revolutionized the wrestling business in the 1980s. Um, huge star, and that extended into the 90s when he became the leader of the NWO. You know, just absolutely, absolutely amazing. And my number one gimmick of all time is if you smell what the rock is cooking. This is uh, Dwayne Johnson dialed up to absolute 15 on the stratosphere. This guy would cut the greatest insults of all time, had the most electrifying move in sports entertainment, and also would hit people with the rock bottom, which was a great move as well. And he's one of the only wrestlers who has transcended the wrestling business and also become a Hollywood star as well. A lot of wrestlers before him tried and never succeeded, but he actually he actually got it done. Got it done, and uh, yeah, just love that gimmick. I uh, I think that's pretty good. All but your last one, yeah, that was great. Uh, not a rock guy, but he did. I mean, you have to admit he did do. Uh, he went to Hollywood and uh, you know made a lot of money and uh, a lot of like a lot of wrestlers tried. So you know you got to give him props where it's due. But yeah, man. Other than that, I thought that was a great list. 
great list. And I only do that for on the rock to throw shade at Warren. <laughs> Once again, Warren, if you're listening, thank you for your help. Uh, on the last episode. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm actually kind of surprised that yeah. that neither one of and I was going to say uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that neither one of us listed Vincent Kennedy McMahon on our list of gimmicks. Yeah, or the prodigy, or the prodigy. I should have done that one. <laughs> or the American prodigy. The American, yes, get it right, get it right, Kentucky guy. The American prodigy. Yeah. Uh, so 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 looking forward to. Uh, his match is coming up. I think it's going to be great. Glad to see him back in the ring. All right. So uh, let's move on to SmackDown results. Uh, that was a lot of fun, though. Uh, Donnie, what did you think about that segment? Yeah, it was a great segment. Got to do, do it again sometime. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, we'll mix it up and we'll throw some different ones in. I've, I've been trying to rack my brain here the last few days. Uh, there's so many different things like the uh, Gosh Show. It. It, you know, it's hard to do the top 10 uh, best gimmicks, but man, you could probably do the top 100 worst gimmicks. There's been so many. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, moving on to SmackDown results, uh, we had the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship match tagged on SmackDown. It was supposed to be, or it was, Sheamus and Butch. Sheamus and Drew, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Yeah, it was supposed to be Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. It got switched to Sheamus and Butch versus the Usos. Uh, the Usos were victorious with the help of Sami Zayn. Uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. I'm kind of surprised how much they're uh, shopping around the uh, uh, Sheamus's group with the Usos these days. Uh, I, I still don't think that they are the the tag team to take the titles from them, but it is kind of, you know, it's one of those things that make you say, huh. <laughs> as many times as uh, they've had their opportunities and wrestled to be such a young, uh, young group. But anyways, your thoughts. Yeah. I, I predicted it would be a solid match, but being just an episode of SmackDown without any real significance, I didn't think that this was going to lead to a title change. I, I actually still don't know who's going to be the team that takes, uh, well, we, we've actually given our theories about who's going to take the, the belts off of the Usos eventually. But, uh, yeah, no, but, no, but I definitely don't think it's going to be the Brawling Brutes, any combination of them. Um, yeah, but it was a good match, good showcase. Yep, yep, I agree. And then we uh, have L.A. Knight comes out to the ring, and he calls out Bray Wyatt. Now, during this call-out, a video interrupts featuring Uncle Howdy urging Bray by saying, do it. And that night, Deserves it. It ended with the mask suggesting that the door is closing. So this was kind of interesting and why I brought it up for a couple of different reasons. First of all, we don't have a whole lot of, uh, we, we just don't have a whole lot to go on right now with Bray Wyatt. But Knight, he's paying attention and actually calling out the hints of Wyatt when he was calling out Bray Wyatt to the ring uh, and his involvement that had been popping up on television weeks now he pointed out like the mask shown in the doors which was pretty cool and also in the uh the uh, uncle howdy video if you listen closely you can hear a woman's voice in the background uh and she's echoing the sentiments of uncle howdy while it's impossible to be sure without isolating it 
if you listen real, real close, and I'm not just saying this because I want it to be, <laughs> if you listen real close, you can somehow, you can, you can kind of hear it being Alexa Bliss's voice. So I don't know. That's just my, my way of thinking. I would have never thought that Bray Wyatt and uh, L.A. Knight would have been the most obvious uh, match for Ray to come back to. But let's be honest, it's made some great storytelling. And eventually, uh, that's going to go a long way when the match does ha- does happen. So maybe we'll get some more answers as their match in this feud goes on. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're dropping little hints now, which is which is good. I mean, y- you've got to listen closely to, to catch a lot of these hints, but at least they're giving us something. Because uh, I know a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this storyline, we said, look, we're happy that Bray Wyatt's back, but they need to start pulling back the curtain a little bit and tell us what's going on here. And little by little, we're starting to get more and more hints. And I agree with you. Um, LA Knight wasn't going to be the first person that I would have booked Bray Wyatt to face, but people would have probably complained if Bray Wyatt would have immediately been thrust back into the main event. So I guess they figured, well, let's put him up against a reliable talent in the upper mid card somewhere so that when they do eventually wrestle, Bray can work off the ring rust a little bit. And then maybe a little further down the line, we can see Bray get back into the title picture. But these hints that they're dropping as far as who can Uncle Howdy be, is Alexa Bliss involved? It is interesting. Yeah, and remember one thing. When LA Knight was brought over to the main roster, they changed his name and gave him a horrible gimmick. And there's still a lot of people who watch the main roster, a lot of fans that still don't watch NXT. They still don't really know who LA Knight is. So even this storyline, even though that, you know, we, I think we'd both agree that, uh, even though LA Knight is good, he's great. Uh, he's, he's a mid card wrestler. And, uh, of course, Bray Wyatt is a, you know he's a top main eventer. That's that's no not questionable. However, pairing these two together right now, it's actually bringing you're getting to know who LA Knight is. We knew because we watched him in NXT. We're true, you know. We're, I'm not going to say we're more truer wrestling fans than the people that don't watch NXT, but uh, we uh, we watch it all. We're psychos, right? So we knew who he was and how well he was on the mic. Now. Other people who don't know him as well, or maybe at all, at all, are getting to know. Hey, this guy can do some stuff on the mic. Uh, you know, he's uh, standing toe to toe. He's definitely not scared of Bray Wyatt, which I think he needs to get his head examined. If there's anybody you want to be okay of being afraid of, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it should be Bray Wyatt with his history. But uh, anyways, yeah. So I, I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing a lot. Uh, with this, I just, um, I still have to, and I know I'm beating the dead drum, but I have to be honest, I still think they've got to pick up the pace a little bit more. They've got to. They're going to start losing, uh, and, and it's not your true diehard wrestling fans, but they're going to start losing the attention of those uh, people who just tune in to watch one or two matches and or just to see what Bray White's going to do. And they're all over YouTube. 
these guys exist. There's guys who uh, have built their channel just on uh, the flavor of the week when it comes to wrestling. And they try to call themselves news. And uh, everybody knows how I feel about those guys. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I like how they're building it. I, I do think they need to pick it up just a little bit. And maybe, and maybe you know, maybe that's personal for me. Maybe that's just uh, what I want to see uh, because uh, I've been waiting so long to see Bray back in the ring. So we'll see. Then we had, it was Kurt Angle's birthday, and they had a live birthday bash. Now, I'm going to say something that will probably not make a lot of you listening very happy. But I disagree with how they did this entire thing on Kurt Angle's birthday. Let me tell you why. Never was really, truly a Kurt Angle fan. So let me throw that out there before you guys think that I'm just a big Kurt Angle's, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of his. It's not true. Never really been a fan. The most I ever liked him was in TNA when he was ahead of the uh, main event mafia. I love that character he played. However, he is a living legend. He's a Hall of Famer, and he has done it all. And he started with, in the wrestling Besides uh, amateur wrestling with WWE, he put them on his back and carried them for I don't know how many years. He gave up matches when it was time to Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock for the future of the company. You know, he won a gold medal with a freaking broken neck. So you bring him on here on his birthday, and that's great in his hometown. But he doesn't get two or three words out. And yeah, I know we talk about Chad Gable, uh, how he's not, how he's underutilized in WWE. And, and that's true. But to have him just say two or three words in his hometown on his birthday, and then the segment pretty much be taken over from the Alpha Academy, who loses week to week. Let's just face it, they do. You know, yeah, it was pretty cool that they brought out the milk truck with the other Olympic gold medalist who was supposed to wrestle a year ago and still not ready because he won't put in the work in a development center. And we went over that. That's old news, right? But to go off like that and to not really give him a chance to talk to his fans, especially on his birthday, especially in his hometown, I just, I really think Triple H and I can't believe I'm saying this uh, because he hasn't done it that much at all since taking over creative. He really dropped the ball on this. I think he did an injustice to Kurt Angle and the Kurt Angle's fans on this birthday bash. Now, that's just my opinion. Uh, your thoughts? I actually agree. Um, I didn't catch this whole segment, but the little bit that I saw, I'm like, it's Kurt Angle's birthday. Like, like give him the mic and let him talk to the fans. or bring out other wrestlers who have more of a history with Kurt Angle. Almost almost make it a border make it similar to what they did with uh, the Rock and Mick Foley when they, you know, over the years uh, when they did This Is Your Life and so forth. Um this just felt really I don't know, it just felt like lazy writing to me. It was like a lazy attempt to uh get people to laugh or or cry or I I don't know. But uh, yeah, I also was not a big fan of this segment. I was kind of 
kind of perplexed by it, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's like they were uh, kind of like the last time he was on the show. Uh, just the use of his name. They act like that was going to be enough. And uh, yeah, they could have done something like This Is Your Life. Or they could have just let him talk. Kurt Angle was very, very good on the mic. <laughs> I'm sure he could have, without any help whatsoever from creative, could have done a bang-up uh, promo uh, thanking his fans for the years and so forth. I, I just don't know. Like, this is the second time they brought him on the show in the last few months. And it's kind of the same thing last time he was on there. I went back and watched it just to make sure I was right. I didn't want to come on here, you know, spouting off a bunch of uh, uh, non-factual statements. But if you go back and watch the last time he was on there, he didn't get that many words out either. It wasn't his birthday or his hometown, but... Yeah, uh, maybe, uh, you know, and I know he's been criticizing the WWE about Chad Gable uh, on his podcast, which is, uh, I, w- I wish more of these former superstars would take up for these younger guys who aren't getting the push that they deserve, just like Coral Ricochet. He's going to, you know, he's going to get slammed down uh, by the uh, general, the ring general uh, for the title. I, it doesn't even make any sense why even uh, the general told him in their promo, uh, entering promo together, that he'd already beaten him three times, and he was. He has. Three times legally, like no interference whatsoever. I don't know. But I wish some of these older wrestlers like Chris Jericho, uh, who could speak up for these other companies and these other uh, younger wrestlers not getting the push they deserve, and actually make something happen. Uh, then we had the Viking Raiders. And they were to take on the Legado del Fantisma. However, uh, this match was interrupted and ended in no contest. Because the stupid hit row decides that uh, they want to wrestle now. Even the female wants to wrestle. Uh, my opinion is too little too late. I think that uh, having them interrupt uh, anything that the Viking Raiders do is suicide for them. And <laughs> I think that, uh, they're a little nutty for getting involved in this. Your thoughts. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just let this match go on because I mean, you've got two great teams in Legato del Fantasma and, uh, and the Viking Raiders, and they could have given us an even more entertaining match if hit row hadn't intervened. And hit row, I feel like is just a footnote now on SmackDown complete. They're completely irrelevant. um, they should just ship them back to NXT, to be perfectly honest. Um, or just release them at this point, because they really aren't contributing to the product, in my opinion. They're taking up television time that could go to somebody else. I agree. Uh, then we had Ricochet teamed up with the New Day and went against uh, the uh, Imperium. Ricochet and the New Day actually defeated them. Uh, I, I don't have a whole lot to say this match. This is just a... Uh, impromptu match. Uh, here comes uh, Xavier Woods uh, with a different hairstyle, thinking he's cool. Uh, I, I mean, I'm over the new day. I don't. Ricochet's not helping himself whatsoever, aligning him uh, with this group. So that's my thoughts. What about yours? I mean, the new day are multiple time tag team champions, and I mean, Ricochet wasn't doing a real lot on his own. So why not have have him just uh, team with the new day? Plus, especially the the fact that the New Day um, now have uh, 
have gold around their waist once again, which, uh, we, you know, we can touch upon that again, uh, later, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a decent enough match, a good showcase for Ricochet. I do agree with what you said before. I, I think it's kind of a moot point. I don't see Gunther dropping the intercontinental title to Ricochet. I just don't think it's going to happen. Okay. So I missed something. So let's go right back to your last statement. The new day have gold now. Can you elaborate? Well, for those of you who watched, well, for those of you who may or may not have watched NXT Deadline on Saturday, uh, the New Day challenged the NXT Tag Team Champions pretty deadly, and the New Day were victorious. They are now the NXT Tag Team Champions. Because, you know, I have completely forgot about that pay-per-view. That shows you how well I've been. <laughs> The Missile Wrestling pay-per-view. That's fan. Uh, thank you for uh, throwing that on here, man. I forgot all about that pay-per-view. So they won the... Did anybody else from the main roster come down and win a championship or anything like that on the NXT? Uh, that was the only championship that changed hands at deadline. Um, I know the main event was Braun Breaker defending against Apollo Crews, who I'm still confused if Apollo Crews is an NXT talent now or if he's still technically a main roster talent. But uh, Braun Breaker did retain the NXT uh, Men's Championship. All right. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, there was a, wasn't there a Ring of Honor pay-per-view this weekend too? There was. Wow. Yep, final battle. ROH I cannot battle. remember the last time that I missed two pay-per-views in one weekend. Anyways, folks, if you don't know, I've, I've had the flu uh, for quite a few days and uh, I am uh, still not on my game. Wow. Okay. So, uh, let's see. I, I will uh, try to find some re final battle. Was that the name of it? Uh, so, the last match uh, that I have down for SmackDown yep. was Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Knox and Morgan actually defeated uh, Rousey and Baszler uh, due to uh, Baszler uh, being caught off guard and distracted in a roll-up uh didn't think much i don't understand this match i don't think uh tegan ox or Liv morgan have a prayer at uh beating rousley for her singles title or becoming the uh tag team champions so uh really the match was uh useless to me uh your thoughts well my thoughts are why Shayna baszler you shouldn't you've been wrestling long enough you should know better to not fall victim to the deadliest move in professional wrestling, the surprise roll-up. Um, no, but back back, uh, back to what you were saying, Kentucky guy. I mean, this is an okay match. I mean, I, I'm guessing that they're either building towards some sort of triple threat match with Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox both challenging Ronda Rousey instead of just doing a singles feud because by themselves, I, I agree with you. I don't think either one could beat Ronda Rousey. Um, I mean, I think, I, I think at this point, Ronda's just keeping the title warm until someone, um, someone more legitimate challenges her, whether it's Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch or wherever the case is. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess they'd probably just, like you were saying before, they'd be better off at least making Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox challengers for the WWE women's tag tag team titles, even though I don't think they should take it off of damage control. Um, but that's more realistic, in my opinion, than making them challengers to Ronda Rousey. 
what uh before we move on what are your thoughts or what have you heard concerning charlotte flair because i've got to be honest i haven't heard anything not not even a peep of when she might come back if she's coming back or not even any rumors what have you heard i mean i have not heard anything concrete um the only rumor i think i've heard is that they're just waiting for the right time to bring her back but that she is definitely going to come back eventually now if you if you've been reading the dirt sheets there is another wwe talent who it's a major question mark as to whether she'll be back anytime soon and that's sasha banks yes everything that every everything when it comes to sasha banks to me everything points to uh right now anyways to her being on uh aew everything points to that i I mean i don't know uh do not know but it does not seem i don't know i just i don't hear her name let's put it this way i don't put i don't hear her name with wwe as much as i do aew these days so but nobody's saying anything. <laughs> so it is uh, very, very interesting. Very interesting to see what happens. So, all right. So let's, uh, let's move on here. I was actually bringing up some results from the uh, Ring of Honor uh, pay-per-view. It looks like they had a lot of matches. It looks like it was a good pay-per-view. Uh, on Rampage results, uh, John Moxley versus Kanos. Uh, 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 Kono- Kanosuku, yeah, uh, Takahishi, uh, Moxley won. Uh, and I'm going to go through these, and then you can uh, come give your uh, thoughts on these, sir. Uh, then Hikura oh, uh, versus the Bunny, Hikura won. Uh, Lee Moore, uh, Moore, Big Kaz, and Big Bill versus uh, Clayton Bloodstone and Izzy James. Uh, Big Kaz won that with big, his tag team partner, Big Bill. And then you had for the uh, uh, Atlantic Championship, Trent Stevens faced Orange Cassidy. And, uh, of course, they let uh, Orange Cassidy retain his belt. Your thoughts on Rampage results? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a very exciting hour of Rampage. I mean, the most exciting thing that happened all night was, if I remember correctly, uh, after the John Moxley-Kanosuke uh, Takashita match, um, Hangman Adam Page did another run-in and attacked John Moxley. So they're still building that storyline. Those two have unfinished business. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes in the coming weeks. Um, I'm not surprised that Hikaru Shida defeated the Bunny. I I, I predicted that. Um, seems like the Bunny is always off television for a long period of time. She'll come back on, she'll wrestle one or two matches, lose all of them, and then she'll be off TV again. So I really don't know what they're doing with her right now. Um, Big Cass and the other members of the firm winning their match was was a foregone conclusion. And, uh, you know, Trent Trent Seven was an interesting um, acquisition for AEW. I, I have read that he hasn't signed a full-time contract. This was this is more like a one this is more like a one-shot deal, but apparently the door is open for him to work more dates with either ring of honor or or aew so that'll be interesting to see so let's uh yeah so let's uh some shocking 
result as of a Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor final battle. I cannot believe I missed this stupid pay per view. Uh, shocking results. Let's talk about it for just a moment. I know we're out of time, but uh, I think it's worth mentioning. <laughs> so Chris Jericho loses the Ring of Honor title to Claudio. Uh, he kicks out after Daddy Magic, whoever that is. That's one of those weird guys on that tag team. Hands uh, Jericho the belt, and he Jericho taps out to the big swing and loses the Ring of Honor. So you have Jericho beat all of these people, all of these former Ring of Honor champions, to tap out to the big swing by Claudio. WTH. I don't get it. Your thoughts? It, it, it's certainly a unique submission move. I've never heard of somebody tapping out to the swing before. Um, I, I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised by the uh, the outcome of this match. I thought for sure Jericho was going to retain here, especially considering that he was the one who beat Claudio for the belt. Um, yeah, I don't know if Jericho just got to the point where he said he didn't feel he could do anything else with the title or what. Uh, I mean, if this rumor that I've heard that they're bringing back the Ring of Honor streaming service, if that's true, then I would have thought that even on a streaming service, it would have made sense to have Chris Jericho as your first Ring of Honor champion as the start of this new era. But we'll just have to see how Claudio does as the world champ. Well, he's been, he's had that title before and he didn't do much. Uh, if, if they are actually going, if they got the television deal, then they made a huge mistake taking that title off a name like Jericho and putting it on Claudio in my opinion. Uh, also, another, I mean, I call it an upset because you don't hear about these guys at all anymore on Impact or anywhere. Uh, the Briscoes, they uh, they beat FTR and took the Ring of Honor tag team titles. They're the new Ring of Honor tag team champion. Huh. After... Basically, uh, Dax passed out, and Wheeler uh, was unable to get to him, and uh, so he was counted out by submission and lost the match. He was busted open from a chair shot. These are this. This is the same tag team that they beat for the titles, and then they, the last pay per view, they defended their titles against this group. And don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from the Briscoes. I just don't understand the path that we're going here whatsoever on these titles i don't get it uh your thoughts yeah it's a it's a curious booking decision because ftr had already beaten the briscoes in their two previous encounters and they decided this time around all right we're gonna give the belts back to the briscoes i i mean i guess in their mind they figure well again if we're gonna launch our new streaming app well we might as well have a team as the champions who are synonymous with ring of honor in this case the briscoes um but yeah, I do agree. the The path to get to this point is a little strange. Not, I'm not totally, not totally following what they were going to do here. Maybe Tony Khan. Maybe, maybe you can clarify for me a little bit. It's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, uh, I just don't, I don't. And then another title change at this pay per view. This does not make any sense. Willer Yuta defeats Garcia and wins back the pure. Uh, Ring of Honor Pure Championship. So it's like they took these titles away from these guys pretty much all on the same uh, pay-per-view, two pay-per-views ago. 
they take it, they take them away from them and they're like, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to give them back at the end of the year. So let's do that. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Daniel Garcia really never had a chance to, to defend that title at all. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Your thoughts? I mean, this, this is the one that I think most people, that, that people had the most pushback on online. They didn't understand why Daniel Garcia had to drop the belt. And that's no disrespect to Wheeler Yuta, but Daniel Garcia, that, that when he won the title, everybody thought this is going to be his, his big push. He's a rising star, so let's see what he can do as the pure champion. And, and he loses it. So I don't know if this is AEW's way of saying that the Jericho Appreciation Society is going to break up soon or what. But it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand this booking decision. I thought for sure Daniel Garcia was going to was gonna retain here. Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're just, you're breaking up the combat club. Uh, by the way, uh, we didn't get to it on the last episode, but did you see the the last mess uh, message uh, from from William Regal to his combat club. I did not. Uh, I, I heard that there was a message, but I did not see it. Yeah. So basically, and he'd done this two weeks ago. Uh, it's a one-on-one interview with uh, Tony Schiavone. Uh, he made this, what I thought was interesting. He said a lot of stuff in, in it, of course, but what I thought was really, was really interesting was he said, I'll be, I will be combat club for life. So that, uh, that kind of threw me off. Uh, and you had uh, John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, and uh, Cesario in the ring when Tony Schiavone uh, played this interview. And he talked about always, you know, he helped MJF get the title. Be careful what you wish for. It was kind of cryptic. And then it was kind of like your normal William Regal kind of vibe. So now... And it's not been confirmed 100%. It's probably around 95%, though, confirmed that he is going back to WWE. Uh, what are your thoughts? you think he's headed back there or no? I, I think 100% he, he is going back. Uh, because the stories I've heard is that there were rumors that, you know, he had said to some people after he first arrived in AEW that he instantly regretted it. And I think he was, he was cited as saying that there was a lack of like maturity in the locker room or, or in management, even though there were a lot of younger wrestlers that he, that he coached during his time in AEW. Cause he said, you know, all things considered, he didn't dislike his time there, but it just didn't feel like it was the right fit for him. I mean, this is what I've read. Um, so I, but I mean, I personally think he's definitely going back to WWE. And his son is in NXT now as well. Uh, he debuted on there. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know who who is his son. I, I haven't seen him on NXT. You know what his? Ring- yeah, yeah. I don't know his uh, ring name. I'd have to look that. I could look that up real quick. See, uh, but that is part of the reason why he wants to come back to WWE. From what I've heard, the NXT pay per view is called Deadline, right? Yeah. His uh, his son's uh, r- ring name is uh, Charlie Dempsey. Okay. He may have to change that to get over. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I'm looking at the NXT pay-per-view. Nothing really like shocking. Uh it looks like uh mainly it's mainly a lot of female matches. Yeah, Pretty Deadly did lose by pinfall. Wow. Yeah, I, I just don't know why I 
Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. But, uh, yeah, so let's see. I don't see anything else here. Uh, one of the coolest things, and by the way, Apollo Crews is supposed to be NXT now. Like, he, he came back to, uh, he pulled a uh, Mandy Rose, is, is what they were saying. But uh, it looks like that he did not, uh, he did not win. Uh, Braun Breaker, which I don't know why this guy keeps this ridiculous name. Uh, he's a Steiner. Uh, he barks and acts like a dog. I mean, stop being stupid and change your name back. But anyways, uh, yeah, just scrolling through here for you guys just to make sure that nothing else crazy happened. It does not look like it did. So, good. Usually NXT pay-per-views are a lot better than this one shows, but maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm saying that out of... <laughs> Because I just went over that Ring of Honor. That Ring of Honor, a lot of great matches. It's just a lot of crazy ending. And looking forward to uh, to seeing what is going to happen with uh, what Joe Joe Gacy and The Rock's daughter. That's what I'm looking forward to. They haven't done anything with her yet, really. And I'm really looking forward. Did you know that she joined his group? As Ava Rain, yep. I am... Uh, I am looking forward to seeing her. I've not seen her wrestle yet. Have you seen her wrestle? I have not. Yeah, no. so that's what I'm looking forward to. And yes, I know before you start sending me emails, <laughs> I know there's stuff on her online, but I want to see her on television wrestle because when she, when they announced her as a part of that group and she took that mask off, man, oh man, she looks like The Rock a lot in the face. What do you think about that, Donnie? Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh it's a pretty, it's pretty uncanny resemblance. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, that is all I have for today uh, for this episode. What about yourself, sir? That is all for me tonight, Kentucky. All right, guys. So you've been listening to Against the Mat, a wrestling podcast with your co-hostess, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky guy. Hey, God bless and God bless America. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>